0: Well, hey there. Thanks so much for joining us on the Hope Fellowship Church podcast. If these messages have blessed your life, go ahead and subscribe by clicking the subscribe button inside the podcast app. And if your life has been impacted by this ministry, would you consider supporting it financially so that we can continue to love God, love people, and prove it? You can give by visiting hope615.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you are blessed through today's message. If um, let me invite our volunteers to come, normally I would share some announcements right here, but you know, God is moving in this place, and um, man that song we just sang is incredibly powerful. And so I'm, I'm just going to ask you to be still in this moment and reflect on what God might be saying to you right now as we receive tithes and offerings. And I'll make those announcements later but let's just sit for a moment in the truth of what we've seen and who God is for just a moment and then I'll open up the word. Amen. I tell you what, I'm so very thankful for our worship team. And uh, Drew, thank you for your leadership, brother. And thank you for sharing your heart today. Uh, you, don't, you don't know this, but basically you, you preach part of my sermon. So God is, God is definitely at work. And I thank you for sharing from the heart, being real with us and leading so well. Uh, we are starting a new sermon series today. And I, you know, Jared always, he's incredible and he designs a lot of what we do as a church. I'm like, bro, this is one of the best ones ever, you know, and I love what Jared's done. But the title of this new sermon series is called The War for Your Heart. And as, as you think about what does that even mean, listen to me, friends, I, I am very, very confident I, I would believe that pretty much everybody that's here in the gym for worship today, I'm, I'm going to guess you would agree with me that there are a whole lot of things in this world that you can give your attention to. Am I right? There's a lot of stuff you can give your attention to. And so with that being said, I'm wondering, would you agree with me then that your heart can be pulled in many different directions? Are you with me? Some of your hearts were pulled in a direction last night that was very painful, related to the football team you cheer for. And that, you know, this time of the year, Pat, we can't help as pastors but to joke about football games. And uh, Sarah's boyfriend, Justin, was over yesterday, and we were talking about football and the balls, and, you know, uh, one, of the, one of the players, I don't know who he was, one of the Tennessee of you know, man, he was like praying hard at the beginning of that game and the camera was on him and I told Justin like, man, I, I don't really think God cares who wins this game. I, I really don't know that he does. And Justin was like, what? <laughs> what? Of course God cares who wins this game. Um, but that's not really what this sermon is about. What we're doing sermon series today is I really want you to, to be willing to be transparent for a few weeks to, to try to measure and assess the condition of your heart. And what I've learned is right now, today, you're here. Here we are, September the 8th, 2019. Do you realize that a lot of the reason your heart is in the condition it is in is because of the things that you say to yourself? We, I joke a lot. People give me books. People in this room give me books. And sometimes I read them and sometimes I don't. And, and you know, the book that I recently opened has literally been sitting on my desk for months collecting dust. And I, I opened it recently and started reading it. It's written by a guy named Paul David Tripp. And I don't know how many of you read the email, but I referenced this in this week's email. And I just need you to see this I need you to look at it on the screen with me. So let me start today, based on what we're talking about, sharing with you a quote from Tripp. Look what he says. He says, no one is more influential in your life than you are because no one talks to you more than you do. Truth, yes. Whether you realize it or not, you are in an unending conversation with yourself And the things you say to you about you are formative of the way you live your life. You are constantly talking to yourself about your identity, your spirituality, your functionality, your emotionality, your mentality, your personality, your relationships, etc., etc., etc. You are, look at this, you are constantly preaching to yourself some kind of gospel. You preach to yourself an anti-gospel of your own righteousness, power, or wisdom. Or you preach to yourself the true gospel of deep spiritual need and sufficient grace. You preach to yourself the anti gospel of aloneness and inability, or you preach to yourself the true gospel presence and provisions and the power of an ever present Christ. That's powerful. Trip says whether you realize it or not, you are in an unending conversation with yourself. It's the truth. So let me ask you as we begin this morning, what gospel are you preaching to yourself? It's a heavy question. What gospel are you preaching to yourself? Is it an anti-gospel message or is it the true gospel message? Now, I can't speak on behalf of every one of you at church today, but let me just tell you about how I respond to things like this. There are times where I realize I just need to take a break from from life, from ministry, from all the things going on. Sometimes I resist that break. You probably do too. But the week before last, the week leading up to Labor Day weekend, I was at that place where... It was obvious, man, I need, I need a break. I, I needed to just go somewhere to be away from all my normal so that I can just listen to God. And so I, I went to Linden, Tennessee. I love to go to Linden, Tennessee. Many of you have been to, to Camp Linden or Linden Valley as they now call it, right on the Buffalo River. And, and while the time away wasn't long enough, I got there Thursday evening and had to come back Saturday about noon during my time there, one of the, the passages of, of, of Scripture that just jumped off the pages and really resonated with, with me was a text that we're going to look at today. In fact, it, it's basically going to be the foundation for this new series that we're entering into. And it's in the book of Hebrews chapter 3. So as we start this series, this war for your heart, look at this text with me. Here it is. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And so I want to ask you to take note of a few things about this passage in the book of Hebrews. But first of all, think about this. This is a critical warning to all the believers. If you're in this room and you would say, I'm a believer, raise up your hand and say, that's me. me. Okay, that's me. Look at the warning to the believers. This, This text is not written to a bunch of pagan unbelievers. This text is written to brothers and sisters in Christ. It's written to Christians. This is to us. And then I want you to pay attention. There's also a, a progression in this text of what plays out: the steps towards having a hardened heart. Look at what, look at what happens. How does a person's heart become hardened, according to this text? First of all, uh, go, go back to the beginning of the text there, if we can. Oh, that is the beginning. <laughs> OK. I saw that the word C" was not capitalized, and therefore I thought, "Oh,. I know that's popular to do sometimes. It's okay. So look at that with me. First of all, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you allow sin, there it is, don't allow sin to begin to fill up this space in your heart. Look at the progression. First, when sin enters your heart, the text says, after that will become unbelief. And then after sin comes unbelief, after that, the scripture says that your heart begins to turn away. Your Bible may say fall away until your heart, down there at the end of the passage, becomes hardened. And so I want you to process this with me. You have to realize, where does all this begin? Well, it, it begins... Personally, It begins personally with me. It begins personally with you. And all of this happens when I, listen to me, when I make this decision to open up the door just a little bit to allow sin into my life. The Apostle Paul writes a lot about sin. Look at what he says in Romans chapter 6 with me. Just to piggyback on top of what we're talking about. Paul says, therefore... Do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey all of its evil desires. He says, do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. And so the real question is, Kent, you're talking to me about this war for my heart. Where do we go from here? If you are a born again believer today, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I think the most important question you can ask is this. Please listen. You need to be processing this. How can my heart be hardened if I've already invited Jesus Christ to be the Savior and Lord of my life? You're like, it's a bit confusing if you if you process it. And so here's what I want you to know. If you study the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, where this text comes from, you'll see uh, the theology of what some would call remaining sin, remaining sin. Uh, Some other people talk about this um, as, as if, yes, you've been saved, you've already come to know Christ, you've been redeemed by his blood, You're you're already, but not yet there. Already, but not yet, some would, would say. We're yet fully sanctified. We're not yet fully what Christ desires for us to be. And so what the book of Hebrews does when you study all of this, it teaches that, listen to me, a believer's heart, a believer's heart can become hardened because sin is deceptive. Now, th- stay with me here because sin is deceptive. Hebrews 3 12 and 13 that we read earlier, it goes hand in hand with this biblical teaching. Listen to me that spiritual blindness is real and sin is deceptive. And so, audience participation, I'm curious. What, what do you think? Uh, just by a show of hands, if you think spiritual blindness is a real thing, I'm just curious. Do you think it's real? Would you raise your hand? You think it's real? Yeah, I I do. Most of you just raise your hand. Now, what's interesting is, while we would say, yeah, spiritual blindness is real, most of us in this room, uh, we have absolutely, watch this, no problem recognizing sin in other people's lives. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yes, you do. We have no problem at all recognizing sin in other people's lives. In fact... Most of us are pretty good at calling out sin in other people's lives. But what happens, what the book of Hebrews is talking about is this blindness to be able to identify the sin in your own life. Now think about this. When someone comes to you with good intentions, a person you know wants the best for you, And they point out sin in your life. Most of us are not a fan of that, are we? It's it's painful. It it sometimes hurts. We tend to become very defensive. As I was reading Tripp talk about this in that book, he said, spiritually blind people are not only blind, they are also blind to their own blindness. Blindness. Think about that. So here's what happens. The spiritually blind person, and we are talking about born-again believers, friends. We're not talking about the pagan world. The spiritually blind person walks around with this delusion in their mind and in their heart that no one else has a more accurate view of themselves than that person does of themselves. It happens every day. And I want to say to you, you've got to remember, there is this war going on for your heart. And so what I want to do is, I want to share some truths with you this morning from this key text that we're going to carry through this series with us as we look at what God might want to say to us and show us through this. The number one truth is this. Friends, Sin breaks your relationship with God. It's completely devastating to your relationship with God. When we, when we think about the sin in our lives, here's what we normally do though. We normally, when we sin, we're not thinking about relationship, we're thinking about rules. We sin. And the first thing that pops into my mind, oh, man, I messed up again. Oh man, I broke another rule. I broke another one of the 10 commandments. I messed up. We're always thinking about rules, but I want you to hear me. I want want you to hear what the text says to us about this. The devastation of, of sin in my life is first and foremost about what it does in breaking my relationship with my heavenly father. It's all about my relationship with Christ that is broken when I sin. When I allow sin to enter into my heart, my my relationship with the Lord is broken. It's not what God desires for it to be. And my heart becomes hardened because my heart is not functioning the way that God designed it to. And then if I stay in that place, it, it becomes easier and it becomes more natural for me to rebel against God. So because of my sin... Think about what happens. If if you are a born-again believer and you find yourself in in this pattern, you you sin, and then if you're a born-again believer, something happens. Your your conscience begins to bother you about what's playing out in your life. When that happens, here's what it is. It's the convicting minute of the Holy Spirit of God. And, And the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God in you begins to kick in. That's what, that's what that conscious is. And, and so when I'm living in sin, then I become convicted. And then as a follower of Christ, I'm forced to make one of two decisions. This is point number two. Conviction leads me to make a decision. And I only have two choices. Number one is I choose to admit my wrongs. Or I choose to argue for the rightness of my sin. Now, let's just take a time out and think about what Jesus taught. He he taught a lot about this. The very first thing I thought of when I was working on this sermon was what did Jesus tell us about how we're supposed to pray? What does Jesus tell us to do about sin in our life? Well, you know the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And here it is. And forgive us our debts. And forgive us our sins is what Jesus says how we are to pray as we also have forgiven our debtors. The Lord's Prayer. It's very obvious. Jesus says, this is how I want you to pray. This is the importance of repentance in your life. And so the best choice, sometimes we don't always make the best choice, but the best choice is for us to just admit, Father God, I was wrong. Heavenly Father, forgive me. Heavenly Father, I place myself under your mercy. Heavenly Father, I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. God, I want my relationship with you to be reconciled. That's that's always the right choice. You know that. But I would suggest that far too often... We argue with God. And it's a bit like we become defense attorneys representing ourselves. Most Christians who try to deal with their sin and attempt to live day in and day out with with sin in their lives are highly skilled self swindlers. It's not a good place to be. And as I said earlier, because of spiritual blindness, you can be living that life, doing those things, and because of spiritual blindness, you really don't even realize what you're doing. So let's let's be super-duper practical. I want to make sure we're on the same page in talking about this. What would be be some examples of a Christian, a born-again believer, arguing for their own sin? This is, this is an easy one. It could be a parent. Your parent and you have, it doesn't matter if you have one kid or seven. And you find yourself quite often as a parent losing your temper in a very unhealthy way with your own child. It happens all the time. You begin to perhaps argue this out with God by saying things like this. The parent might say, I have to scream at them just to get their attention. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Well, if you really begin to break that down, do you you see what as parents we do? We're we're trying to defend ourselves for our behavior that really doesn't honor the Lord. What about this? Husbands and wives, let's jump into uh, our marriages for just a moment. You go to your hope group, And you know, it's a pretty good night at your Hope group, and y'all are in the car, and you're going home now. And uh, the two of you, as husband and wife, you begin to gossip, let's just call it what it is, about some people in your small group. And you tell yourselves, you tell the Lord, it's really not gossip. It's just a very, very detailed prayer request. It's sin. It is. What about this one? It could be a very tight-fisted business professional who's very successful, but yet struggles to be generous. And that individual tells himself that he is just being a good steward of the money God has entrusted him to manage in his business. I mean, you could come up with examples all day long. And really what I want to say to you, don't try to argue for the rightness of your sin. It goes nowhere. Don't try to argue with God about making what he says is sin be right. But instead, daily, immediately, as soon as you recognize it, ask for forgiveness. And ask God to take it. Why? Why do you need to do this? Listen to me. I'm the preacher. Because we all, the preacher, all of us, we need the gospel in our lives every single day. We need the gospel every single day. There's a third truth that this text teaches. This is is so important, yet... Yet I fear many people are missing out. The third truth that the text says to us is this. We need one another. We do. Look at the whole text again. Hebrews 3, 12 and 13. See to it, brothers and sister. See to it, church family. That none of us would have a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Here's the direction. But instead... Since we know this is going to happen, the text says you need to encourage one another, what does it say? Daily. As long as it's called today. How often does this need to happen? Well, today. Every day. So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. In the body of Christ... All of us, all of us need encouragement from one another. Tripp says in his book, the blinding ability of sin is so powerful and persuasive that you and I need daily intervention. Y'all ever watch that show, Intervention? Yes. (sighs) one person. That stuff's real. And if, if you've ever seen the show or know about what an intervention is, that's as real as it gets. And isn't it beautiful that we read this text and the truth is every single one of us, every one of us, daily need that intervention. None of us, hear me, none of us are wired to live the Christian life alone. None of us. None of us. And so now, we have to do something with this. I could right now say a prayer and dismiss you. And my guess is about 99% of you would leave it right there. But I really believe the best thing to do is to invite you to open yourself up to what scripture calls us to do. Well, how are we gonna do that? You gonna make me come up on the stage and get a microphone and tell people about my sin? No, no I, don't, I don't think that's what we need to do. But you know, normally when we have a time of response, we we have people lined up over here on this wall to pray with you. But I just would like to do something different today. And so if if God is speaking to you, don't worry about the musicians. They're beautiful people, but they're gonna come up here, okay? Look at me, listen to me. If, If the Lord is speaking to you, if the truth of this text is resonating with you, God is drawing you to Himself, and he's, he's saying through His Spirit, Look at this. Perhaps He's saying to you, Stop trying to do this alone. And would you just be willing to let the body of Christ encourage you? Well, can't, how are they going to encourage me? I think it'd be something as simple as prayer just that simple and so here's what I want to suggest we do as we close out our service today as the worship team and I didn't even give you guys a heads up but if you could just begin to play you know some keyboards for us that'd be awesome I'm going to invite you to, to join me right here I'm coming down to the floor because as your pastor I daily need this too I daily need it And so you might want to bring someone with you who you know, a spouse, uh, someone in your family, and and just say, you know, I need to go down front, and I want to be a part of this time, and that person may pray for you. Now, some of you, maybe God brought you here today, and you might not know a soul in this room. And so if you're here, and you're alone, and you're processing the question, well, who's going to pray for me? My my volunteers that normally are on the prayer wall, I just want y'all to come down front, and be be able to find people that are by themselves and pray over them. Does that make sense? We need each other. And I think we have to be sensitive to what God's Word says. I think we have to be obedient to what His Word says. And I'm just inviting you. I don't know if this will be one person that joins me down front or 50. I don't know. And that doesn't even matter as long as we're obedient to what God leads us to do, right? That's what it's all about. So if you find yourself here this morning and you know that God's word is spoken to you and you know that you need encouragement from the body, I'm inviting you to join me in the front and we will pray together. Heavenly Father, as we respond to you, God, I pray that what happens in front of this stage at this altar would be an awesome, overwhelmingly great blessing to the brothers and sisters in Christ in this room today who are just struggling a bit. And God, I pray that their obedience to just say, here I am, man, I need this. I I need this body. I need need others to encourage and pray for me. God, let let this be something that brings you much honor and glory. Not that we would shy away from it, but that we just embrace it for your glory because it's what you tell us to do. This is how you teach the church to operate. So God, may you receive all honor and glory. May the blessings from this be, be overwhelmingly good for those who find themselves today in a place of need. God, guide us now in this time. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, thanks again for listening to the Hope Fellowship Church podcast. If you're interested in becoming more connected at Hope Fellowship Church, please visit hope615.com slash getconnected.